So, we begin a sermon series through the book of Jonah. And um, I'm, I'm hoping, or we are hoping as your pastors, that you, you, you would be able to see God's goodness, God's greatness, uh, God's purposes, um, even in the Old Testament, spilling over to the New Testament there, and more precisely, the New Covenant. Um, <clears throat> we begin here, then, <clears throat> um, the book of the prophet Jonah, and I'm, I'm sure that uh, many here, if not all, know the story of Jonah, or at least you, you, you know that it, ha- it has something to do with a great fish, a big fish. Um, thankfully, that's, that's not what it is all about. The book of Jonah is not all about a, a very big fish. Um, it's a wonderful book um, uh, uh, in a wonderful and beautiful way. Uh, it is an easy book and I'm hoping that this, this would not make us to take it for granted or just to casually say, I know the things in the book of Jonah, but that we would, um, we would be able to take the deep teachings in this book because um, God has something in store for us here. Uh, the book of Jonah is not like it's not a technical book. It's not like the the book of Daniel or the book of Romans or Hebrews. It, it's it's an easy book to understand through. Um, and so then, as we as we as we go through it, uh, please be keen to see the things that are therein uh, set for us. Now, just before I I read the the whole chapter, chapter one, I'd like to mention a few things as introductory remarks and then we are going to consider verse 1 and verse 2 the book of jonah is is able to make us wise for salvation and it it does help us to see the mercy of god and the salvation found in christ and so I'd like you to notice that as we as we preach through you know uh, books in both in the new and, and and the old testament we we want to direct you and point you to christ we want you to see the Lord Jesus Christ as you, as, as you look at the text. And the book of Jonah is no different. It's, it's, it's able to show us that God is merciful and God is a savior. God is willing to save not only the Jews, but especially in this book, the Gentiles, the heathen people of Nineveh. The book of Jonah has many deep doctrines like evangelism and the sovereignty of God, which is what I've titled the sermon this afternoon, evangelism and the sovereignty of God. You know, and many other, other doctrines as, as, as we're going to see as we progress with the book. Now, the nature of the book of Jonah is that it is a historical narrative. The way the book of Jonah has been written, it's, it's written in the, in the, in the form of a a form, a form, the form of a story. It is a real story. This is not like the set books that we had in high school, um, that had a message. Uh, a message. They had a message that they were communicating, but uh, hidden in the in the characters of the story, that were not quite real people. And and so this is this is not a similar thing. It's not like the you know the enemy within or uh, the river between or shreds of tenderness or whatever other book that you did um, in high school no this is this is a real story it's, it's written in historical narrative telling us events that actually happened you know this this is this is not like um, it's not like 
a myth or a um, what do you call? It? It's, it's it's not metaphorical. It's 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 not allegorical. It's it's not like the Pilgrim's Progress, where John Bunyan seeks to paint the picture of a of a of a guy named Christian, and it's very easy for us to think that there was a person, a real person by the name Christian, and and there was not there, there was none. This is not like that. Um, <clears throat> it is a record of true historical facts. Uh, Jonah actually had God. The events are of a real man who actually disobeyed and was swallowed by a big fish. And it is a real story. A real man who um, who went to Nineveh and preached there and, 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 and did not want to go there and, and, and all that the book describes for us. Now, you might easily ask me, but, but how do you know that? How do you know it is a real story? How do you know it's not just God describing for us something so that he may paint a particular picture? And we know this because, number one, the internal evidence of the book points in that direction alone. There's nothing in the book that seems to suggest that this is an, an allegory. Um, that, that there is nothing there that, that seems to, to show us that God is giving us a myth or, or a, a, a story just so that we may learn something. The, the book itself, the book gives self-witness. It, it tells us of events that truly happened. And it does not in any way speak as though this is not something that happened. And then number two, we know this because of the assertions of our Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 to 41, this is what we read. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it, will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was in uh, was was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then we read, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And so Jesus Christ clearly speaks as though this is something that actually happened. He actually says that the people of Nineveh will rise. And, and uh, uh, they, they will rise up at the judgment and they will condemn this generation, the generation of the Pharisees. For they repented when Jonah was preaching, but this generation is not repenting when Christ is preaching to them, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord of Glory. And so the, 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 <clears throat> the assertions of our Lord Jesus Christ show us that what Jonah is doing is... is, is, is um, actually things that act, things that, that, that happened now if you go to Matthew chapter 16 verse 4 you find the same thing um, a reference to the book of Jonah and we also have uh, similar parallel um, uh, verses in Luke chapter 11 verse 29 to 32 and so the New Testament especially our Lord Jesus Christ does speak in a manner to show that this this was real a real story real history and then number three the book is written in the nature of a type. 
and you ask yourself what is a type uh, what do you mean when we, when we say a type a type is a shadow cast on the pages of old testament history by a truth whose full embodiment or antitype is found in the new testament revelation so so a type is something that we f- we have simply have in the old testament and then we f- have its its full meaning its full embodiment in the new testament and this is what uh the book of jonah is it's it's referred to in the old testament by our lord jesus christ saying that that, that was a type the and and we've just read there in matthew that um something greater than jonah is here and so um <clears throat> jesus says that jonah w- w- was so uh, 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 jesus says that as jonah was so shall the son of man be so he he speaks as though jonah was this kind of a type that would eventually be fulfilled in him we have types in the old testament sacrifices the old the sa- sacrifices offered in the old covenant and the way the the bulls and the lambs and the, the goats were being slaughtered in the old covenant the son of man the son of god the uh, lamb who was slain from before the foundations of the earth is given us in the new covenant and he is the fulfillment of those types and so because it's given to us as a type it's it's um it's 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 a true narrative it, it's not a myth it's not an allegory although it's uh, um it's it's a type we find that it is deeply rooted in history this is an experience that Jonah went through it's it's, it's not something that um uh the anonymous author of the book is simply wanting to convince us no it's it's deeply rooted in history they they uh, and this these things we call type all lead to the lord jesus jesus christ and this is what the story of jonah does now the book of jonah is unique as you're going to go through this book you're going to see that it is a unique book it is unique because it has its message in the story of the book it's unique from other you know prophetic books in other prophetic books we have prophets you know like ezekiel or isaiah and they give the people of god uh, what what god wants them to to hear and to know jonah has aspects of that but jonah's message the book of jonah gives us a message that is embedded in the storyline and so it's 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 unique in the sense that the way we are to to understand god's message is that uh we are given a story of this prophet known as Jonah and uh in that message we we then understand what God God has in store for us now the book of Jonah demonstrates that that, that God has his people in all the world now this book of Jonah is is um for us gentiles very i don't know what to call it, it it's it's very I don't know whether precious is the best word but it shows us that God has his people everywhere in the world. You know, Al Martin says here that the book of Jonah shows that God's heart is broader than the borders of Palestine. God is not only willing to save the Jews. God is willing to save um uh, all who turn to him in repentance. The book of Jonah points forward to the full work of the Lord Jesus Christ in saving a people for himself 
you know and this is what we see in 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 in, in the story that god has a people for himself whom he's going to save through the lord jesus christ you know from all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues from from all around the world and the book of jonah is 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 like a snippet of that because we see that it points to the lord jesus christ christ then comes to save his people the book of jonah is like a, a mini john 3:16 that god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life now <clears throat> the book of jonah has four chapters it's a very short book it's actually i think you can read this book in less than 10 minutes if you just sat down to read through it without much study it's a short book four chapters with four main points it shows us in chapter 1 jonah fleeing the prophet jonah fleeing from god's commission and then in chapter 2 we see him praying we see the prophet praying there and then in chapter 3 we see the preaching of jonah and then in chapter 4 we see jonah's displeasure and his displeasure comes because as a prophet of god he does know who god is he knows the character of god and and he's displeased because just what he thought is is what happened and of course you can you can read ahead before we get to those verses the author of the book of 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 jonah is unknown i'm not going to i'm 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 not going to say that it it's it's jonah who wrote it although there are some who thought that you know jonah is telling his own story after coming from nineveh um but then it's not clearly known some have said it's jonah um others think that it may be another scribe the authorship remains um anonymous there is there's no internal witness to tell us we we can only speculate but i think we would be safe to say that the author is is anonymous now that said i'm going to read the whole chapter and then we are going to consider verse 1 and verse 2 jonah chapter 1 now the word of the lord came to jonah the son of amittai saying arise Go to Nineveh, the great city, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship thre- uh, the ship threatened to break up then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his god and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it from them but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep so the captain came and said to him what do you mean you sleeper arise call out to your god 
Perhaps the God, uh, the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they say to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the Lord fell on Jonah. Then they say to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they say to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and haul me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, uh, they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, living your life in relation to God's will may be regarded as living in a world that has gravity. When, when walking, you constantly have to check yourself so that you don't fall down, right? So, so um, living in light of God's will is like living in a world that has gravity in it. There are too many obstacles which, if not watched out for, will bring you down. If you walk around without being careful, you might be hit by a car. You might fall down. You might uh, stumble and fall. So, uh, so then God's will for the Christian is revealed in the scripture. But then there are all these things that come in, uh, uh, left, right and center. And uh, if you're not careful... All these things have the capacity to bring us down. Um, they have the capacity to make us fall. Even though God has revealed His will to us in His word. Jonah finds himself grappling with the will of God in, in, in this book. And we're going to see this here in these first verses. Jonah is... is is, is grappling with the will of God and he decides to flee in order to escape from God's will. Um, and, and, and just before I, I jump into verse 1 and 2, 
I'd like to ask you a very personal question there. Are you like Jonah? You know the will of God? You know what God has said? You know what God requires of you? But you're running away from the will of God. Are you right now at the point of your life where you, you know what the will of God is? You know what God requires of you? You know what God wants you to do? But you are, as it were, running away. You are avoiding the will of God. You're, you're living as though God has not given you His will. Are you deliberately deceiving yourself? And, and because God is invisible, you, you, you think you can avoid doing what you ought to do. You think you can avoid doing what you must do. Now, the book of Jonah has a lot, has a lot for you and I this evening. Follow closely this path of the prophet Jonah to see if perhaps you should make some uh, uh, crucial corrections in the way you live in light of God's will. The book of Jonah has a lot to tell us. Verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. And in these two verses, I'd like you to see two things only. And we'll be done. Number one, I'd like you to see the word of the Lord from verse one. And then number two, I'd like you to see the commission of the Lord from verse two. Number one, the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Look with me there again. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, and then God goes ahead to, to, to say what he has for Jonah. Now when we hear that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, we know that this is, this is no small thing. And, and you see, when people claim to be prophets today, they're making a, a very serious claim. They're making a very big mistake because they're essentially saying God has told me the word of the Lord has come to me and therefore you're supposed to listen. Now when we read here that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, we know that it's, it's not a small thing. It, it's, it's precisely because of this word that comes to Jonah that Jonah is swallowed by a great fish running away from it. Because when God speaks... We should listen, right? When God speaks to his prophets in the Old Testament, they're not going to tell the people of God their own ideas. They're not going to tell the people of God what they think they had God say. No. If you read the, the, the prophets, you're going to see that their claim is, Thus saith the Lord. This is what God says and this is what God has for you. John is a prophet of the Lord. And what he receives from God is clear revelation. You know, not what we see with today's false prophets. I mean, we are in an election period. If you, if you go on YouTube, you will find many prophets saying who is going to win. All claiming to have heard from God. 
But then, if you look at uh, the Old Testament scriptures, the witness of the Bible is that when God speaks, it's, it's, it's clear. It's a clear message. It's not ambiguous. The prophet does not have to crack the code, as it were. God gives a clear message. And so, because Jonah is a prophet of the Lord and a true prophet for that matter, he knows when he hears from God. Now, shortly after Jonah's days, um, you know, as a prophet, another prophet, Amos, predicts a famine. <clears throat> but it would not be a famine of food. Rather, it would be, it would be a very distinctive famine. There would be a famine of hearing the word of God. Go with me to Amos. Amos is to your left. Just before Obadiah. Amos chapter 8. And verse 11 we read. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord. And I, and I submit to you, my dear brethren, that it would be far better for you to starve to death because you have no food in your stomach. It would be far better for you to die of hunger of the physical food than because you have no food in your soul. It's better for you to thirst because you do not have water than to die because you have no food in your soul. Because God is able to bring a spiritual hunger. And so you would rather lack food with uh, you'd rather lack food and, and with your heart uh, and with your heart be filled with spiritual food. Be filled with the word of God. Um, other than the, the other way around you know you would rather be full in your soul than, than walk around with a full stomach it's better for you to have the word of the Lord more abounding in you than food for your stomach Jonah was privileged beyond measure because the word of the Lord came to him but you my friends are more privileged here this afternoon you are more privileged because the word of the Lord has come to you now you're more privileged because Jesus Christ is the word of God Jesus Christ is the word that you need you're more privileged because you have Jesus Christ the word of God incarnate the wisdom from on high, as the hymn writer puts it. He is known in your midst. Some of you, if not all of you, know Jesus Christ. You are more privileged than Jonah. You, you know him who grants salvation and eternal life. You are more privileged this afternoon because you have, uh, uh, you have the word of God written down for you even. You know, you have the written word of God, complete, within reach, without, um, um, you know, excuse me, without, without being hidden. It's not hidden from you. You have it. You have the whole word in totality. 
If you know your Bible well, you know that this was not the first time that the Lord came to Jonah. You see, the introduction of this book, when it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, it, it doesn't give us much detail. Unless you do know uh, uh, your Bible well, you would know that um, this is not the first time the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Earlier, he had been given the privilege of announcing great blessing for the people of God, even though they did not deserve it. Now, uh, turn, turn with me to 2 Kings. Just have your finger there in Jonah, but quickly move to 2 Kings 14. Chapter 14 and verse 24 to 27. 2 Kings chapter 14 verse 24 to 27. And here we read of, of a king by the name Jeroboam II who ruled over the northern kingdom of, of Israel from about 783 to 743 B.C. Now, I, I, I would be willing to give you, uh, you know, some historical information about, about all this. Uh, but I would rather you go read First Kings, Second Kings, read about David, uh, Saul and David and, and um, progressing on to Solomon. And, and you will see how God uh, tell, tells Solomon in, in, in his final days that he's, he's been an idolater. And there will be uh, the kings will rise up who will who will follow that pattern, and it will not be so good for the people of God. But then we, we read here in Second Kings fourteen twenty four to twenty seven that in 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 um, let's begin at verse twenty three in the fifteenth year of Amaziah the son of Joash king of Judah Jeroboam the son of Joash king of Israel began to reign in Samaria and he reigned forty forty one years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made, uh, he, he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from, um, from Libohamath as far as the sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which is spoke by his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath Hepha. For the Lord saw that the, the, the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, born or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. So he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Josh. Now we see, we see there, uh, <clears throat> brief description of you know the the, the Israelites and, and the state that they were in, and we come across Jonah, the son of Amittai, and he's a prophet. He's from uh, uh, he's from Gathhepha, and um, that's that's all that we do know about him. Yet we know that it's not the first time that he receives the word of the Lord. So that he's he's it's something it's it's something that he's already experienced, and so he knows the God of Israel. Now, even though Jeroboam was a very wicked king, still 
a word of mercy and grace came through the prophet Jonah because we are told there that the the king was wicked but God says that you know they will they will not perish he's he, he, he will save them by the hand of the wicked uh, the wicked king now just as a side note before we continue um, when we see that there we, 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 we get a very strong lesson for us God is able to use wicked people and you might be in the will of God and still be wicked because Jeroboam would be the, the means, the instrument by which God would save the people of Israel but he was a wicked king I mean those of us who who are preachers ought to be um, to be very to be pricked by, by this uh, this statement even though God is able to use us it's, it's also possible that we be wicked people and, and those that may be aspiring to the ministry need to, need to hear this that we must be holy men and just because we are used of the Lord it doesn't mean that we are okay and so we see there that even though Jeroboam was a very wicked king, a word of mercy and grace came through the prophet Jonah for um, the people of God. Jonah's first prophetic assignment, if you will, his, his job that he was given, um, is to announce the good news of preservation and prosperity that the people of God would have. This blessing would, would come on the people, especially because of the Lord's compassion for them. Not necessarily because they would repent, not necessarily because they would turn back, but because God is merciful to them. Because God has compassion on them. They were loved of God. They were, they were in the grace of God. He would bless them in spite of their sin. And, and that's the story of the sinners. God doesn't love us because we, we were so good or because we, he looked at us and said, hey, these people will turn away from their sin. Let me display my love. No. God loves people while they are still sinners. That's what the Apostle Paul says. And so we, we, we know and we see there that um, this, is, this, is, this is the first assignment that Jonah has. To proclaim prosperity, to proclaim preservation for the people of God, even though they were sinning, even though they were in sin. Because God has displayed His compassion, His mercy, His love, His grace upon them. Now, what we have here in verse 1 of Jonah, chapter 1, is a new word from the Lord. Jonah is now hearing a new word. Jonah, Jonah being a prophet of the Lord must be willing to say what God says. For this is, this is practically his job description. What God tells him, that's what he should do because he is a prophet. Furthermore, Jonah would have been very concerned about the absence of repentance among the people. And so when the word of the Lord would come to a prophet, they would be, they would be expected to deliver that word the way they have received it. And so this, this is what Jonah would have been required to do. Now number two, like us to see the commission. The commission of the Lord in verse two. 
verse 2 says, Arise, go to Nineveh. So the word of the Lord came to, to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So, so Jonah would, would be thinking to himself, what does God have in store for his people? Does God have blessings or curses? Being a prophet, he could either be sent with a word of blessing or a word of, of, of curse. To his shock, God wants him to travel and to go take the word to Nineveh. God wants him to go to the capital of Assyria. He, God wants him to go there to the heathens and to, to take his word there. God wants him to take the gospel, if you will, to that great city because of its wickedness that had come up to the Lord. You know, it must have taken Jonah a moment to absorb this new set of instructions. What is this all about for Jonah? Now, O. Palmer Robertson <clears throat> describes it in... There's a man by the name O. Palmer Robertson who describes it in vivid imagery he says he jonah was a hometown boy from amitai he had never been out of his home state much less the country now he he was to get a passport go through customs and take an international trip to that massive metropolis of nineveh and 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 jonah has 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 to do this he has to go to that great city now when Jonah realizes what God is requiring of him, when he understands the commission, Jonah, what does Jonah do? He decides, no way. There's, there's no way I'm going to do this. You know, he, he, he for a moment becomes a practical atheist. He knows what God has said. And, and as, we've, as we've just read, Jonah, in the ship, sleeping, or, you know, whether it, whether it is pretending or not, we don't know. He knows. He knows that whatever is happening to this sheep is because of me. And so, but, but he decides to be a practical atheist. He knows that God exists. He knows that the God of the Israelites is the true God. He knows that when God gives a commission, it must be done. But Jonah decides he's not going to do it. But God has given him a commission and he must do it. He must follow. Now, now we have to ask ourselves, um, what happens? Now, <clears throat> see there that God tells Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Nineveh was not a small city. It was a great city as, as it's described for, for us there. Look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breadth. If, if you are going to walk around uh, uh, Nineveh, it will take you three days to be able to uh, cover the whole city. It was a great city. Look at chapter 4. 
Chapter 4 and verse 11. Verse 10. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it to grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people, persons, who do not know their right from their left, and also much cattle. And so Nineveh was a great city. It was not a small city. I'd like you to see in this commission what God is saying. God is saying that go to this great city, call out against it, preach, proclaim my word. You know, when he says there, call out against it, he's saying, herald the, ne- the good news. Tell them about the God of Israel. Tell them of the salvation that is found in, in, in God. And he says there, for their evil has come up before me. My dear friends, God is a holy God. And therefore God hates all evil and all evildoers. God is holy. And he says, the evil of Nineveh has come up before me. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord over all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how uh, uh, are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news but they have uh, they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says Lord who has believed what he has heard from us so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ the people of Nineveh must hear they must hear the word of God. They must, there must be someone sent to them. The word of God must be proclaimed to them. See there, evangelism. Evangelism must be done, my dear friends. We must go out. The word of God is clear. The commission of God is clear. In a small way, God gives Jonah that which he gives all his people. The commission that he gives all his people to go out and to proclaim his word. When we go out, we go out because people are evil, because people are sinful, because souls are perishing. When we proclaim the word of God, we are, we are not there to, to, to uh, um, soothe people. We are not there to tell them how good they are and how they just need some little motivation. No, we are there because they are evil. 
and the Holy God is not pleased with them. This is the commission that Jonah receives. Arise, go to Nineveh. Now, see the sovereignty of God in this. It's not only evangelism, but it is evangelism and the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign because He gives Jonah a word. He speaks to him authoritatively, sovereignly. God is sovereign because He gives a specific word. He says, go, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. When we go out on evangelism, this is what we ought to do. We are to proclaim to people that um, God is not happy with them. If you are seated here this afternoon and you are not a Christian, God is not happy with you. God is not pleased with sinners. If God was pleased with sinners, it would not salvation for them would not come at a, at a, at a, at a great cost. It would not come on the account of His Son. God would not have to give His only begotten Son. The second person of the Trinity did not have to come. But because God hates sin, because evil goes up to Him, God sends His people. And therefore God sent Jonah. When, when we request you to join us for evangelism, it's not because we... Um, it's not because we just so you know we feel as if when we go by ourselves things will not work out well we are not going to be okay <laughs> we need moral support all those things may be true things might not go well we might be needing moral support but primarily God has sent his people into the wicked world to proclaim the excellencies of the Savior. And this is what God is <laughs> requiring of Jonah. Jonah doesn't want to do it. Why does Jonah decide to flee? Why does he decide, no, I'm not going to do this. We're going to explore this more next week. But it's not like Jonah was afraid of traveling to a foreign country. Uh, you know, more often than not, it's the other way around. You know, we are excited when we know we are going to go abroad. Out of the country. Hey, I want this. So it's not like he was afraid of traveling to a foreign country. We know that he was not afraid of traveling because his alternative destination... What is the alternative destination? Tashish. Tashish is way, it's farther than, it's way farther than, than, than Nineveh. So, so it's not about uh, uh, traveling. It's not like Jonah was embarrassed to be a street preacher. We are going to see this next week. You know, it's, it's not like, <laughs> Jonah is not embarrassed to stand in front of people and tell them the message of God. That's not the case. Being a street preacher for Jonah is an occupational hazard. He must do it. He, he has no option. So it's not like he's, he's afraid of doing it. It is his job as the prophet to tell people what God says. And let me just say here, um, <clears throat> as an application, 
that if, if, if something like fear of what people might think of you is keeping you from doing the will of God, then it is, it is shame on you. It is shame on us when we, when we are afraid to go out to do that which we know, we know quite well God requires us to do. It is shame on us when we cannot evangelize or seek the lost or be afraid to do whatever else it is that God requires of us because we are afraid of people. You know, pray, pray, pray that God will give you boldness to speak His word wherever and whenever He directs. Pray that God would give you courage to remain faithful regardless of people, regardless of what people will say. Okay. Moving on. You know, some have suggested that Jonah fled because he did not want to prophesy something that might not come to pass. Or, um, you know, tell people something that would be a false prophecy. But there's no evidence from the book or from scripture that this is the case. Jonah knew and understood how God works, especially in his mercy. And we're going to see this more clearly from next week. When we see Jonah fleeing from the presence of God. He knew that God is a merciful God. He knew that a prophetic announcement of doom, you know, left the possibility that people would repent. The people of Nineveh would turn back to God. Jonah knew that. You know, Ninevites would would turn from their sin and turn to Christ. That was Jonah's fear. Again, it, it doesn't make so much sense to us that Jonah is not willing to follow the commission of the Lord if his preaching would have been effective enough. Why is, why, why, why is he not wanting to go? Why is he not wanting to arise and go to that great city and call out against it? For the, for the evil of that city has come to God. I mean, if we know that God tells us, go there, proclaim there, my people are there, as we were seeing in the book of Acts. Stay there, remain there, proclaim there, because they are the people of God. It doesn't make sense why Jonah doesn't want to go. But that right there was the, the, um, the thing. You see, Jonah knew that the Ninevites would turn. And that, that troubled him. Think for a moment that Jonah leaves and goes to the heathen city of Nineveh. <clears throat> you know, suppose he should there preach uh, the coming judgment. Look at chapter 3, again, verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. He called out. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's what he says. He says, Yet 40 days. You know, he, he calls out, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And verse 5 says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. You see, when God gives a commission, God knows what's going to happen. God doesn't, doesn't just tell us to go preach the gospel without knowing that the gospel is the means by which sinners are saved. God knows who will believe, how many will believe. It doesn't matter if all of them believe, 
We are to go. We are to go. I'd like to bring this to a close by saying Will we not proclaim our Savior when we know that people will believe? The Apostle Paul says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. The Jew first and the, then the Gentile, the Greek. Will you not evangelize to your neighbor when you know that they might believe? Your colleague, your classmates, will you not do it when you know that they might believe? That's what the people of Nineveh do. When they hear that their city is going to be overthrown, when they hear that God is angry with them, because they are evil people, they believe. Now again, I don't want to assume that all of us have repented of our sins. So that the gospel is a free offer for all who repent of their sins. Because sin is evil in the sight of God. And God, God hates sin. Yet God has provided a savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. As you're going to see in this book of Jonah, even though we try to flee from what God tells us to do, God is sovereign. If you know the will of God for you as has been stipulated in the scriptures, the best thing for you to do it, even as a Christian, because Jonah is a prophet of the Lord, is to do it. It's not to run away. It's not to try and avoid it. It's not to languish in, in evil. But rather, we are to do the will of God that he has told us to do it. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you this afternoon. We see the word of the Lord. We are privileged to have Christ as your word and to have him in our hearts. We are privileged to have written copies of God's word. And will we not listen to it? We are privileged to know the commission of the Lord. We are privileged to be sent by God. And will we not say, here I am, send me, Lord? Oh, Heavenly Father, as we, as we consider this, you know, this matter of evangelism and the sovereignty of God, as we consider uh, the things that you have for us through the life of 
the prophet Jonah. We pray that first we would be able to see Christ. And then we pray, Lord, that you would help us to obey you, to follow your will, for no plan of yours can be thwarted. Please bless us with these things. Hear us, O Lord, for we pray this in Jesus' name.